On your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors, the 20-game mark is a bit of an unofficial checkpoint in the NBA season where we kind of know what teams are all about. So, with the Raptors set to play game number 20 on Friday, what do we know so far? Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, December the 1st, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that's busted at Woodley, Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors, where I have been bad about posting clips this past week, but we'll get back to it, I promise. Also, you can find us on Discord. The link is in the description of the podcast. Come hang out. It's a great little listener community we got building around the show, and it's free to join. It's a great place to be on game nights and uh, in between game nights as well as the fake trade talk, ceaseless over there in the Discord, among other things. It's not just fake trade talk. There's sports and collectibles. There's video games. There's movies. There's all sorts of stuff. Come hang out with the listeners of the podcast who are sickos just like you over on the Discord. You can find the show for free, of course, and subscribe, follow, rate, review, etc. on all your favorite podcast apps of choice. You can also find us on YouTube. The All you got to do is hit the subscribe button and the little notification bell, and you're going to get an, an update every single time the show is set to premiere. So you never miss it. You don't want to be missing it. Come on. Do it. It's very easy to do to support the show. Makes me feel good. Helps the algorithms appreciate in advance for you going to do that and hit the subscribe button over on the tube. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Down the Game Time app. Create an account. Use the code Locked in NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. And we are off and running here as the Toronto Raptors are set to play game number twenty on their schedule tonight. Uh, and we've got some stuff to dive into around that magical number of 20 games. That is sort of the unofficial, all right, we know what this team is about sort of checkpoint that I, I feel like is sort of colloquially thrown around in NBA circles. And look, it's not always true. Teams improve. Teams have the capacity to get better. I think this Raptors team in particular, because they have a new coach, they're kind of working in some new systems. They've slowly progressed on the offensive end. I still think there is something to tap into more than what we've seen for this team and many other teams through the first 20 games. Other teams will also fall back and not be as good as they've been through the first 20 games in some cases. It's not a hard and fast rule, but it is a pretty decent sample size. We have a pretty good idea of a lot of things about this Raptors team. So we're going to try to dive into some conclusions from the first 20 games. We'll talk in particular as well about the Scotty Pascal OG trio, the numbers they've been putting out and the sort of outlook for those three as the decision time continues to draw nearer. We're going to take some listener questions as well, sort of tied in with this topic too, to close things out. But first, let's start off with just sort of a tale of the tape of where the Raptors are so far through their first 19 games with game number 20 against the Knicks coming tonight. Overall, for clean the glass, I use clean the glass because they uh, isolate for garbage time, which is, I think, a more informative and useful tool than NBA.com. NBA.com has the Raptors at 22nd in offense, 11 the defense. It's not too far off on clean the glass. They have 24th in offense for the Raptors, 9th 
in defense. And look, offense, we know the story. This is a rough half-court team, 25th in half-court offense so far. And this is, I think, a lot of people expected this coming into the year, right? You have a starting five that features a point guard in Dennis Schroeder, who, while he's been very good so far this year, well beyond expectations, still has skill set limitations that keep that offense from flowing beautifully with him at the helm. He has basically just taken all of Fred Van Vliet's touches. Uh, Scotty Barnes has had some of those dispersed to him. Pascal's touches have gone to Scotty a bit as well, too, over the course of these games. But a lot of Dennis Schroeder has just been kind of stepping into the Fred Van Vliet role and occupying it and doing it differently, doing it capably, but not doing it in a way that you know, expands the offensive horizons for this team, right? He's not a pull-up three-point shooter, and that is sort of the beginning of all the spacing issues that this lineup tends to deal with, a lineup that's been kind of straddling the line of positive and negative over the, over the, negative over the last little while here. Um, and it's not surprising. You know, defense, I think it makes sense that it's really, really good. I also think it makes sense that the offense, with the lack of shooting, with Pascal Siakam's dip from three, you know, kind of being pretty untimely and weird and kind of an outlier in his career, um, complicated by Dennis Schroeder not having that pull-up game. It's it, it just, it's a tricky thing to work. There's there's just not a ton of space to work with. We've seen the lineups that have more shooting and space available be more productive on the offensive end, but overall, not surprising that this is not a very good half-court team. Um, of course, they're buoying their numbers by being awesome in transition. We know this. They're third in points added per 100 possessions via transition per clean the glass, fifth in total points per play, third in frequency, they are living in transition and doing it very well, even with a couple of games of late. The Magic game stands out. The Nets game stands out where they just were not very good in transition. I think the Cavs game as well, they had a pretty rough go in transition. Actually, I think they were fine against the Nets. I'm mixing those two games up. Either way, there have been a couple of setbacks lately, but for the most part, this is one of the best transition teams in basketball, and they lean into it because they know that's exactly how they're going to get a bunch of their looks. Um, on the defensive side, look, it hasn't been quite as airtight as I had hoped it would be. Um, you know, we've seen them kind of come unspooled in some certain spots, had really bad games, mixed in with some really, really good games, I should say. Like, they're ninth for a reason. They are capable of some pretty impressive things. I think their work against the Suns was one of their best defensive performances of the season. You could throw in a few other ones. Frankly, I thought that Pacers one, where, yes, they gave up 132 points in a game they barely scraped out by one point, Another defense against what has been the best offense in the history of basketball so far this year was really interesting and really good and really, um, I think, emblematic of why it can be a sort of calling card for these Raptors. They, they, there's a couple things I'm kind of keeping an eye on. In particular, one number that kind of pops out when you kind of go through the defensive metrics, they're kind of middle of the road when it comes to like shot diet they're allowing. Um, I think they're 12th in locational expected field goal percentage, which is essentially, you know, what would you expect the other team to shoot based on the quality of looks that they're giving up? Like they're, they're not bad in that department. They're not elite in that department. But there's one area of the floor where they're kind of getting burned and it's at the rim. They're not allowing like an insane amount of volume at the rim. They're like middle of the pack as they are in most of these uh, categories. But they're 27th in shooting percentage allowed at the rim, like north of 68 percent. That one doesn't quite like pass the smell test to me because I feel like Jakob Pertl's done a pretty damn good job as like a backline rim protector. And Scotty Barnes' whole defensive leap has been tied with how good he's been at the rim as the low man in the defense and as a helper or as just like a straight up five in some lineups as well. And so it's a little bizarre 
that they've been giving up such a high rate of efficiency at the rim. I'm curious if that's going to stabilize, if there's going to be some regression to the mean there. Maybe they've had some bad luck. I mean, bad luck is more tied to three-point shooting than shooting at the rim, obviously. But um, I, I wonder if maybe there's sort of an evening out to happen there that will help the Raptors' defense because they don't strike me as a team that should be getting bludgeoned at the rim in terms of efficiency allowed the fact that they're not allowing teams to get there with like insane regularity again middle of the pack in that department is good they've been pretty good at suppressing threes and all this stuff but the the percentages of letting up at the rim the most valuable shots in basketball it's a weird thing i feel like it's dragged their defense down a little bit that's something i'm keeping an eye on as we go forward as far as like individual player takeaways i feel like obviously the main one's scotty barnes right like the leap feels real a couple blips here and there but the level he's bringing uh, as a three-point shooter, the sort of leveled up conditioning he seems to have, even with a couple of games where he hasn't quite had the juice throughout the entire 48 minutes, for the most part, he has had that. And that's been a nice, refreshing thing after last year where he kind of floated through a lot of games, didn't appear in a lot of games, um, despite very much being in there for 77 of the games. Um, you know, you've thrown the three-point shot. That looks real. Like I, I feel like I'm just kind of baking in. He's a league average shooter at worst at this point. And maybe the, the bottom's about to fall out and he's going to miss a whole bunch of threes coming up here. But I do feel like the way the jump shot's looking, the stability he has in his base on those catch and shoots in particular, you know, the pull-up stuff is really fun when it happens, not something I'm banking on. But the catch and shoot stuff looks pretty good. And he's putting them up so eagerly that I think league average shooter is kind of there for him. And that, to me combined with the defensive jump combined with the small little jumps he's taken as like a pick and roll ball handler where he's been you know by the efficiency i haven't checked this number exactly in a little bit but for a stretch there he was their best pick and roll ball handler would imagine dennis schroeder's maybe ticked up a little bit there as him and yaka pertle have figured out the chemistry a little bit but um overall the the, the steps scotty's made as a creator I've been really nice and he's not doing it as like a traditional point guard all the time, right? Like he's doing it from the wings, attacking closeouts. Um, you know, obviously he's done some stuff as a big man and, and working from the middle of the floor. The kickouts on those, you know, short rolls have been pretty, 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 pretty darn pretty good. Do good God. I'm bad at English either way. Um, I, I think all of this tracks and suggests that Scotty Barnes is the real deal what the, the timeline for his ascent to like full superstardom looks like it still remains to be seen we've seen flashes where it looks like it's oh it's happening right now or in the next year or two and then other times where it's like oh maybe it's still a few years down the road but either way scotty barnes has been awesome and i think he's obviously like the biggest conclusion to draw from this team on a player level because him becoming this player changes the context of a lot of the decisions that have to be made he's also just like made the team a lot more entertaining and fun to watch which is i think a pretty important thing it's like exciting to tune in every night even if they don't play amazingly just to see what scotty barnes is up to because the development track for him has been such a thrill to to behold over the course of this year um and so you know I, i'm not terribly surprised by how the offense or defense has performed so far i, I think overall nine and ten about makes sense considering the record like there's nothing that's terribly shocking about what we've seen, but I do think the Scotty Barnes jump is the clear big takeaway from this start of the season. I'm not like telling tales at a school. I'm not exactly dropping a hot take here, but I do think that informs a lot of what we're going to see over the next 20 games as to, okay, what does this look like around Scotty Barnes now? How are they massaging the fit? What's working? What's not? And obviously a lot of that is tied up in the Scotty Pascal OG trio the decision of do you break them up do you keep them together and try to rework the pieces around them going forward 
that is the decision that comes into focus as we move into the second quarter of the season. And we will dive into that coming up in just one second here. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. You got to go check them out right now because as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more it is not just for nfl fans of course they got every sport under the sun over there on FanDuel. you want to go throw some money on the raptors knicks game tonight you could totally go ahead and do that do a same game parlay with you know player stats or whatever it might be it's all there on FanDuel for you to peruse it's a great time to do it uh, and right now you can visit, you can go visit fanduel.com slash locked on to kick off the nfl season in style i guess they're continuing the nfl season they're nearing the end but either way there are kickoffs involved so the copy makes sense fanduel official partner of the nfl end of the locked on podcast network all right we continue on here your first listen of the day sean here thanks so much for tuning in rocking with the show much appreciate it, and uh, you know we got uh, some good stuff coming up next week. If you haven't let yet, go listen to some previous episodes this week. Talked about a couple of games, obviously. Had the 905 deep dive with Vivek Jacob on Tuesday. All there for you to peruse, so go ahead and do that. But let's dive in now to the Scotty, Pascal, and OG of it all, right? You know, all the tail of the tape stuff of the team so far, unsurprising, I think. You know, kind of exactly what we thought this team might look like. At least what I thought they'd look like, um, especially out of the gate. The stuff with Pascal, Scotty, and OG has been the thing I've been watching all season long. You might have picked up on this through line, this thread throughout the episodes on the show so far this year. I kind of think this is the single most important thing happening around the Raptors right now is the constant evaluation and massaging of the fit between Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi. My inclination, if you were to give the Raptors front office truth serum, based on their behavior so far, where they've kept these guys around through all, all, multiple trade cycles and rumors and et cetera, et cetera, obviously the Pascal lack of extension kind of cuts into this thought a little bit, but I think if you gave them truth serum, they would like to keep all three of those guys on the team. The financial stuff obviously gets uh, difficult and it becomes the thing that makes you have to question whether or not you move one of these guys. But as far as the fit goes, I think we're starting to really see that there's just a sample, a history of these guys working well with each other if the context around them is right. And yes, that's a big caveat if the context around them is right. But for me, that's like a caveat that you have to figure out. Sure, it takes a lot of work. It's going to take some ingenuity and creativity and some moves. But I'm just the type of person who prioritizes getting really talented basketball players and letting the really talented basketball players figure things out. And to me, I'm having a hard time seeing an avenue where the Raptors assemble three players better than Scotty, Pascal, and OG from their current station without doing the whole nuke it and go back to the tank thing, which they're just not going to do. We know this is not what this front office does. And frankly, I know other people disagree. It is my favorite thing about this front office that they do not partake in the tank off i really like it um again you can disagree with that all you want it's fine for me again we have data that suggests these three guys playing with the right types of players around them can be a winning formula 
Um, you know, the numbers with just those three on the floor, you know, last season even, the team was not very good. They won their minutes, the three of them, Pascal, Scotty, OG, together on the floor, won their minutes by 4.1 points per 100 possessions. Not incredible, but certainly in the upper crust of like trios in the NBA, the upper tier. Uh, they were even in Scotty's rookie year, plus 1.2. And that, of course, is from a season in which the just like this is different now, right? Like the last couple of seasons, Scotty was not this player. This is a different style of player that we're seeing. Obviously the three point shooting that's come into play with him has been a massive, massive change. Um, and we're just seeing that the, the minutes with those guys on the floor, they're positive. They're winning these minutes. We also have a track record of those three guys with Jakob Pertl and a pull-up shooting point guard. Being very good. Yes, it was at the back end of last season, but it's 625 possessions worth of basketball that indicates that those three, plus Jakob Pertl and a pull-up shooting lead guard, can be a winning formula. Plus 9.1 net rating for that lineup last year with Fred Van Vliet in there among the starters. It was really bloody good. And that was before Scotty Barnes had this three-point jump. That seems to change the calculus a little bit, too, on what you'd need to really kind of make this team sink. I also think that at some point, Jakob Pertl is not going to be the center of a Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi-led team. He can be a perfectly fine stopgap who is fine, not perfect in that next in this next little stretch. A perfectly fine stopgap who is fine, not perfect. That seems like I am uh, going against what I'm saying there. What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, my God. Uh, contradictory. Good God. <laughs> feels like a monday but it's friday wow either way we, we we've seen these guys work together also this season so far without yaka Pertle on the floor those three guys scotty pascal og plus 20.2 net rating in 119 possessions they have similar numbers as well and a much smaller sample of those three guys without dennis schroeder on the floor as well those three guys with the right pieces around them are really good and i i think it would be a mistake to just say well it's the easiest thing to just trade pascal for some stuff and then figure it out from there it probably is the easiest thing it is like the path of least resistance to say hey you know what we're not going to pay pascal his next deal we're going to trade him for what we can at the deadline 70 cents on the dollar or whatever it's it's just time to do it and that might be the decision they come to they're nine and ten right now they're not a world beating team by any means if it stays like this and they're like exactly 500 come deadline time you know, the on-court metrics of those three guys together might not matter to the front office. And it might just be a matter of, okay, we got to pick a direction here. We got to make a, a stance and make a trade and get what we can for Pascal while we can. I I just think there's got to be a better way than that to keep your most talented players together. Talented players who, again, we've seen work with one another. And I think it's gotten even easier to work this year because of the Scotty Pascal dynamic. And yes, I know it's been kind of oscillating in terms of usage and oh, Pascal will lead the team in shots this game. And then Scotty doesn't lead shots. Like, okay, I get it. Like, sometimes you're going to have a disparity in the shots taken and the usage for these guys. But I do think they're finding a balance. I think it makes sense that Pascal is being so heavily leaned upon right now because the dude is a two point machine and he's just been an absolute post up wizard so far this season. He's been cr crazy good in transition as a finisher as well. And I think that. Yes, that leads to this sort of like, oh, well, whose team? Is, like, I, we just get too reductive and too simplistic about this. Teams got to have multiple good players. Teams got to have multiple avenues to offense. And I think what we're seeing with Scotty 
again, looking kind of like a league average shooter at worst right now with Scotty having, you know, pick and roll creation with Scotty being a guy who you can play at the five and have him absolutely cook either as a pick and pop guy or as a pick and roll finisher as, or as a short roll creator. I think the Venn diagram, there's this whole thing of, oh, Scotty and Pascal occupy too many of the same spaces on the floor. I don't think that's actually true anymore. The Venn diagram of where these guys work, the middle ground is like not so like it's a small little ground that we're talking about here now. You have Scotty doing his wing creation stuff, his three-point shooting, his pick and roll creation, his, his his small ball stuff. Pascal's workload and sort of areas in which he can affect the game are dwindling. They're smaller, there's less of them, but that's fine. He's gonna be a number two option on this team in the sort of idealized version of it. It's okay if he has fewer areas where he can go and cook, but the areas where he can cook in transition and as a post-up guy he's bloody amazing at and that's a really nice compliment to have in your offense you have scotty and pascal their main overlap is they are big dudes who pass real nice and yeah sometimes you're gonna have scotty work post-ups here and there i think he's perfectly fine at it he, he draws two he kicks out he can score i think his touch from the sort of push shot range where he's often going to be shooting as a post-up player you know, that has left a little bit to be desired. We'll see if that can bounce back. It's a, the second straight year that's declined in terms of efficiency so far from the three to 10 foot range. Maybe Scotty's best pathway is not as a post-up guy. Maybe he's a, a, a different guy entirely. Maybe he's someone who works or is a downhill creator. And that frees up to Pascal to kind of carve out the post-up gig all on his own. You know, again, there, there will be spots where their skills are overlapped that's mostly tied to the players they're playing with though. And I think with the right context around them, whether it's a shooting center or you get Scotty at the five with a, you know, just sort of a little bit more space on the wings and in the guards in the backcourt, like those two guys can operate in different places. They do similar things in terms of being really good passers for their, their, their big positions and all of that, but they can operate in different spots and still have a lot of success. And then OG just fits with anybody, right? OG is just like, okay, you plop him in, he's going to shoot 40% from three and be one of the best defenders alive and be an excellent play finisher for you. That I think is universal no matter who he plays with. And so, yeah, those three guys, I think the fit makes sense for me. Obviously it just comes down to, you know, how viable is it to keep those three together while also rounding out the rest of the roster to make more sense around them. And I think that's a fair question. I think that is, something that has like a fair amount of obstacle to it for the Raptors to try and clear to keep these three guys together. But I, I think through 20 games, I feel very good about that trio of players together. And the idea of giving yourself like a four or five year runway by locking them all in to me, like you rarely get that luxury to kind of build something over many, many years in the NBA. The Raptors have that right now if they want it whether they extend Pascal before the deadline to get that sorted away, they, they give OG whatever it's going to take, whether it's a max, whether it's a near max, whatever it is, they can't have a walkaway number on OG if they're going to free agency, going to free agency with him in the summer. It can't be like Fred where it gets to a point where you get queasy. You just got to be ready to prepare to pay the whole freight. And I think that's fine because OG is, yes, not a super great creation option or anything like that, but he's clearly a dude who wins you minutes when he's on the floor, which is kind of what this whole thing is about. And so for me, it comes down to can you find ways to make moves on the margins to better this roster over the next few years? It's not going to be an overnight thing. You're not going to entirely reshape this roster in one summer or one deadline or anything like that. But can you set yourself up over the next few years 
to be able to make these moves to better assemble a roster that makes sense around those three guys. I think there's actually more of a pathway to that than is maybe being outlined, where it kind of feels like the sort of general consensus from the fan base, people I sort of muck, muck around with in the fake trade sickos chat and the Discord, the consensus seems to be the only way to do this thing is to get rid of Pascal and figure out the rest from there. And, and I just don't agree with that. And I'll get into that as I answer a listener question about this very thing coming up on the other side. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Game Time, the single best place for you to go and get tickets for your next sporting event, your next concert, theater event, whatever it might be. It's all there for you on Game Time with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat. And their very best, sorry, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Look, it's just it's a stressful thing. You want to buy tickets to an event, and you don't want to have to go peruse a million different sites. You don't got to worry about that because Game Time has the Game Time guarantee. You're going to get the best price at Game Time. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else, Game Time is going to credit you with 110% of the difference. It means there's no downside of just going straight to Game Time and getting the best tickets because they are guaranteeing they are going to have the best prices on those seats. You also get zone deals where you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. Now the Game Time app, create an account, use the code locked in NBA. For $20 off your first purchase, terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, rounding out the show here on a Friday. Thanks so much for tuning in and rocking with the show all week. Just a reminder Locked On Sports 24 7 is our all day streaming channel on Locked On Sports Today's YouTube channel. Uh, 24 7 Locked On shows covering the biggest stories around the sports world national shows local shows and the biggest stories it's all there for you go subscribe it's a wonderful thing okay let's get into a couple of listener questions tied to the 20 game mark a little bit there's an in-season tournament one we might get to at the end as well um but this one comes from kj tied to the exact thing we were talking about before drawing the conclusions on the scotty pascal og trio after 20 games and the question is is there a way to get some shooters so we can really see scotty pascal og as a trio and what they might actually be able to do so many want to trade Pascal when the team isn't set up for him or Scotty to shine. And yeah, kind of what I just dove into, right? I think those three guys we've proven over many years now, they win minutes. They are a positive trio on the floor that wins basketball games, wins minutes, maybe not as many games as you'd like. But again, team context, pretty important here. And it comes down to the supporting cast. How many nights have we seen? Wow, the starters kicked ass and then the rest of the team kind of let the whole thing down. And yeah that you have to find avenues to assembling the rest of your roster and filling out the back end of your rotation. And I understand the compulsion for some people to say, well, you got to trade Pascal for depth. That's how you do it. You get depth in young players and that's how you fix this whole thing. I just don't think that is the avenue to maximizing, optimizing the talent on this team and optimizing the supporting cast and the star power you have around one Scotty Barnes, who is the most important thing here. So for me, yeah, my sort of dream vision here is you keep those three together and you spend the next little while, next couple seasons tinkering on the margins to better amplify what those three guys do together. Those three guys, like that's future basketball, man, big ball dudes who are big, who can also handle the ball, be talented, shoot all that stuff. That is the future of the NBA. And, you know, I think vision six, nine, I've talked about this a little bit in theory. It makes a lot of sense, you know, having big players at all the positions that gives you an advantage in a sport where big players have an advantage, but you have to have the requisite skills to run functional basketball as well. 
and that's where the limitations of uh, just the sheer number of basketball players alive who have those skills at that size and the ability for you to go and get them on your team being really hard like that that's where the limitations come into the vision six foot nine thing but you can have three dudes who kind of check the boxes of what vision six nine or what big ball is all about skill ball large skill ball whatever it is we're calling it like that is a pretty good starting place to be for me I think, uh, you know, people are going to hate me for this, but draft capital, baby, that's your avenue to getting the pieces around Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, who can really put this team, I think, on a track towards contention. After the pick conveys, most likely this year to the Spurs, the Raptors will have all of their first round picks back in the coffers. Am I advocating you go trade all of those picks for somebody? It depends on the guy, I suppose. If there's a superstar, he becomes available. Sure, go nuts. Um, you have the contracts to go and match in salaries in a lot of cases. You have Jakob Pertl, you have Dennis Schroeder, you have Chris Boucher. Um, you know, if it happens this season, obviously you still have Gary Trent Jr. Will he be around beyond this year? Not so sure. Talking about 20 game takeaways, Gary Trent Jr. Eh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me, it's probably not going to happen at the deadline this year. And hell, I could see them selling at the deadline this year in a way that does not see them move on from Pascal or OG. It's selling the other pending UFAs to get as many different assets you can have to go into the summer to work on reassembling this roster, whether it's turning Dennis Schroeder into someone who's got a little bit more pop. Maybe you try to find a way to convince the Knicks to trade with you to get a manual quickly. There's news or rumors around Quickly's future. You know, there are more unproven guys in a manual quickly. Jaden Ivey, for example, like you can make a trade for Jaden Ivey that can be seen as a deal to amplify your main three guys it doesn't have to bear fruit immediately, but like that's also not going to take you a boatload of picks to go get it done. Like that's a smart on the margins, you know, depressed asset type addition that I think could help make the main three guys on this team really sing. Obviously, Grady Dick getting better is going to be a big part of this. You would hope that Grady Dick, by the time the, the season wraps up, is having a little bit more success. The three's falling. He's getting into NBA games. He's looking more like a future rotation piece. I'm not worried about Grady Dick, but the quicker he can become a rotation piece, the easier this whole thing gets as well. Um, you know, I, I just think there, there are more imaginative, to, imaginative, creative, fun ways to go and build this team around the core three guys who you already have in the house. You have the hard part figured out. If those three guys can be the three best guys on a good team baking in Scotty Barnes's growth, which is obviously still in the process of happening. But if Scotty Barnes ascends to being one of the 15 best players alive, all of a sudden you're looking at like, wow, Pascal, OG, Scotty, that's three top 50 players, um, three top 40 players, whatever we're going to you know, decide to draw the lines at, with one of them being Scotty Barnes on this superstar track, that's 100% the type of core that goes and wins a lot of games in the NBA. Like that is just it. And so if you can turn the picks you're going to have available to you again once this once again this summer get a developmental story or two from a Grady Dick hopefully Christian Coloco can like come back at some point it's really concerning that we've yet to hear anything about him and a big bummer like that's a dude who I thought had a lot of promise and him if he's like just like a, a non a non thing anymore that is a problem that stinks that's like a big setback but I, I think there's I don't think it's quite as dire as it, the picture is being painted as and I frankly think like this version of the team, if Dennis Schroeder were, you know, X pull up shooting point guard, I think the team's in a pretty good spot, right? Like, especially if Dennis Schroeder is maybe your bench point guard, um, you know, that even gets even better. Like, I just I don't think they're that far 
you're nine and ten. You're in a, you're in a league where there's a lot of middle ground. You're part of the middle ground right now. You're probably at the bottom part of the middle ground to be sure. But the jump from middle ground, you know, bottom middle ground to top middle ground and sort of into the the next crust of contender types, it's not like a hilariously impossible gap to jump, right? You're not evil Knievel trying to jump the Grand Canyon here. There is an avenue that doesn't involve trading away who is still your best player in Pascal Siakam. Maybe Scotty's their best player this season. You know, that's probably true, I guess. But like, they're both really good is the point keeping those three main guys together in the interest of ensuring that the top end talent remains on your roster while taking some time using the picks you're going to have available to tinker on the margins or draft players down the line who can fit into the mix a little bit better. Um, whatever it is, like if you can set up a runway of four or five years with Scotty Pascal OG, I think you just got to do it and figure it out. That's the talent play. And to me, that's kind of where I've come around. I've answered this question from KJ for a very long time. But yeah, I think there is a way to get some shooters so we can really see what Scotty Pascal OG as a trio looks like to answer your question in one line like I maybe should have done off the top. Let's get to one last question here from that Marfin, um, which is a good one. Also from the Discord. Again, if you want questions answered on the show, the Discord's the place to drop them. Um, so join the Discord. Do it. Uh, but the question is, if the Raptors did make the in-season tournament, uh, what would be an optimal rotation? What would an optimal rotation look like? What was the best eight to nine man rotation a quarter of the way into the season in a must win game? I like this question a lot because it fuses the 20 game threshold with the in-season tournament, which I love very much. I wish the Raptors were still playing in. But yeah, had they made the knockout rounds, were there must win games to be played by the Raptors right now? Obviously, I, I think the rotation is looking Scotty Pascal, OG, Dennis Yock to start. I think you probably close depending on the matchup with Gary Trent Jr. in there in place of Yaka Pertle or maybe Otto Porter Jr. once in a while here and there. We've saw them close with that lineup a couple times and it was nice and they haven't quite gone back to it. Come back, Otto. We love you. Um, but either way, those are your five guys. Gary Trent Jr. is your sixth guy. Precious Achua seems to have carved out the role as the seventh guy. Um, you know, maybe you have your mileage varies on if you think that's good or not. I think Precious obviously has his faults. He drives me crazy, but I also can't quit him. I think he's a perfectly reasonable seventh man on this team. And then from there, I mean, Otto Porter Jr. I think has to be in there. If you're trying to win a must-win game, Otto Porter Jr. feels like the guy to be your number eight. Uh, really good defender, shoots threes. You know, obviously he hasn't done a ton in terms of like affecting stuff on the floor this year when he's played. But I still think, you know, in a must-win situation, having a guy who started finals games 18 months ago, you could do a lot worse than that. And then from there, you know, the ninth guy, what is it? Malachi Flynn? Is it Chris Boucher? I think it's Malachi Flynn, frankly. I think Flynn's been fine. Like, probably one of the biggest surprises and, like, nice stories from the start of the season, even though he's been mostly just fine and nothing more than that. I think what he's done has been pretty impressive considering the expectations I had for him coming into the season. So he's probably your ninth man. And then maybe you trim down to an eight man rotation and chop Flynn out of there and just lean on Scotty creation and Pascal creation and Dennis obviously playing heavy minutes. That would probably be the rotation for a must win game right now. It's a shame we don't get to see one. I would like that very, very much, but we can all root for a Kings Pacers final in Vegas in the, uh, Sabonis Halliburton Bowl in the NBA Cup. That would be pretty sweet. I guess that would be a nice consolation to the Raptors getting skunked in their attempt in the IST. Uh, we will leave that there. That feels like a good place to 
end out the week. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Thanks to those who sent in questions for the pod. And uh, thanks to all of you for tuning in, supporting, rocking with the show. We'll be back again next week, obviously. We'll talk about the game tonight against the New York Knicks. Tee up the rest of the games. Talk about the games as they happen. Jamar Hines will be along. Katie Heindel, Vivek Jacob. I think we're going to get Oren Weisfeld on sometime next week as well. Uh, so we got lots of good, fun goodies for you waiting. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again. On Monday, another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye.